Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Executive Pastor Chris Valdez. Thanks, Pastor Darrell. As you see, there's a chair here, and I was going to start out a little different this morning and join you in sitting. (laughs) Not because I'm tired or I don't think I can stand the length of the message, but because I felt like... God wanted to speak something uh, this morning from a seated position or a resting position. Uh, and I'll stand up. If this bothers some of you, don't worry, I'll stand up <laughs> here in a minute. Did you know that God's not in a hurry? He's really not. You know, He's not worried, He's not anxious. Not concerned. He's not a lot of things that we are. You could say the opposite of all these things, and most of us could check off the list and say, Yeah, I'm worried. I'm anxious. I'm concerned. I'm not, don't feel very rested. There's not much that we can do in a seated position other than rest, maybe eat. You know, actually, all of the scriptural references of God in heaven have him seated on his throne. He's at a resting position. And he's not worried. And he's not anxious. Everything is going exactly as he's planned it. It's according to his plan. It's according to his purpose. And it's right on time. And it's right on schedule. The last few weeks we've been looking at the kingdom of God in a generational context. And we've looked at a couple scriptures. You can look up on the screen and see Psalm 145 verse 13. He says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. That's a promise. We can count on it. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Our Heavenly Father didn't just create the heavens and the earth. He started an everlasting kingdom. One that's going to endure for all generations. All the glory is His through His Son, Jesus Christ, to all generations forever and ever. We can count on it. We can be assured of that. And in in Christ, we are part of a permanent work, an eternal work that He is doing. And this morning, we're going to look at three aspects of God's generational plan. We're going to see that God's plans are formed and sure. We'll see that God includes us in his plans and that he sovereignly and miraculously works in those plans. And then we'll see that God's plans don't waste any time. And even what we think is lost or wasted, he redeems. And we're going to look at these three principles 
in the context of a generational story. A story that starts in Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham. And you can turn there in your Bible if you have it. Many of you may be familiar with the the stories and the men that we're going to talk about this morning. But many of you may not. Abraham is, is the man that God spoke to. And we're going to look at this promise. But he spoke to in advance and promised him that the nation of Israel would come from him. And he's one of the, the, the founding patriarch of that nation. And so that's, that's where uh, this story started. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, God promised Abraham that he would make a nation from him and tell him, uh, tells him that through him all the families of the earth would be blessed. And you can read along with me on the screen or if you've turned there. Genesis 12, verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This was a prophetic word of Jesus Christ. Every family in the world would be blessed through the offspring of Abraham through Jesus Christ. And then in Genesis fifteen thirteen, you can flip a couple chapters over. It will also be on the screen. But God gives a generational prophecy to Abraham. And you can read along on the screen. It says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain. I like that word. Know for certain. You can count on this. This is a promise that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs. And they'll be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. From the get-go, that doesn't sound like a great promise, does it? You're going to be sojourners and you're going to be afflicted for 400 years. And we often mistake this prophecy to mean. And for many years of my life, I just thought that the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt, you know, literally slaves in Egypt for 400 years. But that's not the case. What God said was they would be uh, they would be slaves in a land that wasn't theirs, but that they would be afflicted for 400 years. And we're going to see what that was talking about here in a moment. And we're going to follow this generational promise through Genesis. And it started with God's promise to bless all the families of the world through Abraham. Which eventually would be the blessing that would come through God's only son, Jesus Christ. And my hope and prayer this morning is that we will see God's promises and hand at work in our lives and in our world in a whole new way and have a new confidence and assurance and encouragement that he's at work, that his plans are sure, and that it's all going according to his plan. uh, So we're going to look at this from the time that God made his promise to Abraham to the time his son Isaac is born and God promised him a son. His uh, Sarah and, and Abraham had not been able to have a child, but God said, even in your old age, you're going to have a son But it took 25 years from that promise before Isaac was born. And then there was another five years until Isaac was persecuted by his older brother Ishmael, whom Abraham had when he and Sarah tried to do God's plan their way. And you'll you'll see this in a moment, but obviously God accounted for that, too. It's at this point that the 400 year timeline starts. So God said he was go- that the people were going to be afflicted for 400 years. At the time that Ishmael persecutes Isaac, God started the 400 years stopwatch and said, go. 
and take, because when you take into account that 30 years uh, prior to Isaac's birth and the persecution of, of Isaac by Ishmael, the full time is 430 years. And in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, Paul references that 430 year timeline. And the way that, that you can make sense of that is you go back to the point of the promise. Then you've got the 30 years of waiting for the 25 and the 5. And then we start the 400 years. So then Isaac marries uh, Rebekah and they have Esau and Jacob as children. And this is when Isaac is 60 years old and Abraham is 160. Now we're 85 years from the promise of God to Abraham. And then Joseph is born to Jacob when Jacob is 91 years old. And Joseph is then sold into slavery when he's 17 years old. And at this point, we're now 193 years into the promise. The Bible doesn't specifically tell us how long that Joseph was in, uh, specifically in slavery and specifically in prison. But we know the total length was 13 years because he went in when he was 17 years old. And then he begins to rule all of Egypt at the age of 30. So there was that 13-year timeline divided between those two things. And then Joseph lives to be 110 years old, and then he dies. And at that point, we're 286 years into the promise of God to Abraham. One thing that I noticed here, and there's a, a handout in the foyer if you want to pick it up on your way out. There should be enough at least for one per family. Um, but was the way this timeline isn't as stretched out as kind of we may make it in our in our minds. You know, this 430-year timeline, even though it's really long to us, when you look at it, it really uh, isn't as far apart as I always, you know, pictured it in my mind. And especially this this point, from the point that Joseph died to when Moses is born is only 64 years. There was a 64-year gap from uh, Joseph's death to the birth of Moses. Now, we have to remember that then uh, Moses grows up in Egypt for 40 years, and then he's in the wilderness for 40 years. So there's still a good, you know, potential 100 plus years that the children of Israel were just, you know, straight slaves in Egypt. So still a long time. Um, but it just really shocked me to, to really see that there was that short of a distance between Joseph and when Moses was born. And then uh, after Moses comes out of, of, of the wilderness, he comes uh, with Aaron to speak to Pharaoh. And by God's hand, through his miraculous works, God's going to deliver the Israelites from Egypt. And at that point, it's exactly 430 years. And then God goes, click. Promise complete. Right on time, right on schedule. Just like I said it would. And when we think about each of those stories, and many of you would know them by heart, but there's so many things that happened in each of those people's lives and that God accounted for everything. There were people uh, involved in every one of those stories that weren't followers of God, that didn't believe in God and he accounted for those people. He accounted for what they would do and how they would influence the situations they ran up against. He accounted uh, for the prison, for the slavery. He accounted that, that Moses was going to need 80 years to get prepared before he'd be ready. All of those things were part of his plan from the beginning. 
when he told Abraham, this is going to be a 400-year promise from the time that affliction starts. And it all worked exactly like he planned. I want us to be able to walk out of here this morning knowing God's plans are formed and sure. Isaiah 14.27 says, For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? No one. No one can stop his purposes. No one can stop his plans. No one can pull back his outstretched arm. And in Proverbs 19.21 we read, Many are the plans in the mind of a man but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Only what God does, only what He has said, only what He has promised, only what He has purposed will stand. So we've clearly seen that God's plans are formed and sure, and we just saw how God promised and delivered on a 430-year promise. If that doesn't assure you that you can count on Him, I don't know what will. And now I want to highlight that God includes us in that plan and He's sovereignly and miraculously involved. We don't have to, we don't have time to look at each of these men's stories, but in each one of them, God was miraculously involved. As I said, Abraham and Sarah had Isaac long after their childbearing years were over. And then God gave Joseph a dream when he was only a child and He took him through slavery and prison to put him in the most powerful position in the world of that time. Who would come up with that plan for success? You know, he should have gone to the best schools and been taught by the best minds of the day and all the things that we would come up with. That if that's where you're going to go, here's the path that you would take. And God says, no, slavery and prison is going to get you there. But how many of you know that Joseph had to question the dream that God had given him during those years that he was in slavery and in prison that, God, this doesn't look like what I had planned. You said I was going to be a leader, a ruler, and now I'm in slavery and in prison. How's this going to work out? And God says, don't worry. I accounted for all this. It's part of the plan. We're on schedule. Don't worry. God is so much more patient than we are. I'm sure Joseph wondered why God was wasting so much time. We could say the same thing for Moses. You know, 80 years to get ready. Seems like a lot of wasted time. But God says, no, not one moment was wasted. When I told Abraham it was going to take 400 years, I accounted for all of this. It needed it all. Every year, every day, every moment of that timetable, I planned for, I accounted for. And it all worked out exactly like I purposed. Such an intricate plan over such a long period of time really baffles the imagination. If you're in any type of of business or, or organization that tries to plan for things. I mean, this is mind-boggling. I've worked for companies where we uh, 
you know, we're told that we needed a 10-year plan, a five-year plan, a three-year plan, a one-year plan. And not one of those plans ever went according to plan. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need, you know, in those types of businesses and circumstances to make those plans. There's nothing wrong with planning. But do you know why they don't go according to plan? Things happen that we don't plan for. How many of you have had a day that doesn't go according to plan? You know, you planned for this day. And this is what was going to happen. And then it doesn't go according to plan. Because we're not God. We can't account for everything. We can't plan for everything. But God planned and accounted for everything on a 430 year timetable. And that's just one of the promises. We're going to see here in a second that really that plan and purpose went from day one of creation till all things are complete. Literally all time. He told us it's an everlasting kingdom. This is true for all generations. We still haven't seen the end and God is not worried. He's not anxious. He's not concerned. Everything's not falling apart like we may think it is. Literally, in every one of our lives, in every community in this country, in every nation across the world, God is saying, it is all according to my plan and purposes. It's on time. It's on schedule. It's on budget. It's exactly like I planned. And we can either trust Him and follow Him and have faith and peace and comfort in all the circumstances of life, because we know as hard and as difficult and as impossible as this may seem, God accounted for this. Because it's not wasted time. He uses it us, He uses these things, these circumstances to bring us to Him, to do something in our heart, to do something in our life, to prepare us for what He's planned and purposed. It took 80 years for Moses and the growing up in Pharaoh's house and 40 years in the wilderness. It took 13 years of prison and slavery for Joseph. And you can look at every story in the Bible and see the things that God took his people through. But it was all with a plan and a purpose. And it, it, like I said, it literally boggles the mind because, like I said, who, who can guarantee they can plan out a day? But God can plan out all eternity and know it's exactly like I planned. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we find the first prophetic word of Jesus Christ. He's speaking to the serpent at this point. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And this verse is telling us that Satan might bruise our heel, but Jesus Christ will bruise. And some translations translate that word as crush the enemy's head. He told Satan from the very beginning, you're going to lose. This was part of the plan. My son is going to come through these people and he's going to crush your head. 
It's going to go exactly like I planned. And Jesus was born well over a thousand years after the exodus from Egypt. And this was God's plan from the beginning. But just as the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham wasn't an end, but it was the beginning of a new plan and a new purpose. And Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection was not the end. It was the beginning of a new covenant. A new part of his plan that had been planned from the beginning. From Genesis chapter 3, God said, yep, on time and on schedule. God's plans and ways just don't line up with ours. It's interesting to note that Jesus, when he came, was here for 30 years before he started his ministry. And then his ministry only lasted for three years. That doesn't make sense to me. God, here's your chance. You're going to be here. The Son of God in the flesh. Take your time. Knock those disciples' heads together a little longer. They need some more development. You could do more miracles. You could teach more. You could do so much more if you just stayed longer. But God the Father said, no, it went just like I planned. Jesus was on earth for exactly how long he needed to be. And he accomplished everything that I intended for him to accomplish. Nothing more and nothing less. It went exactly according to plan. The last principle I want to share with you is... uh, There's no such thing as lost time in God's plan. We could ask why Joseph had to go to slavery and prison and even when he did nothing wrong and why it took so long to prepare Moses. But the simple answer is that it's part of God's plan. It's part of his process. And he was working in and through them to bring them closer to him in relationship. And God accounted for everything. Do we understand that? Can we comprehend that? That I really mean he accounted for everything, every detail in a 430 year plan. And it happened exactly the way he planned. And it goes beyond that from the beginning, the very beginning to the very end. You know, my uh, personal testimony, God has done a lot of the this I've just seen it in my own life. And honestly, these stories, especially like Joseph, is something that he's used uh, over and over throughout the years to speak to me. So this is a story that really speaks, speaks to me in the situation that he's taken me through. And I was actually, he took me to the point of this timetable because I really was looking at Moses and Joseph independently and even kind of had them out of, out of chronological order. You know, I was, I was, thinking about uh, Moses first. Then I was thinking about Joseph. And I was like, well, really, Joseph came first. And then I started looking at that and got the little timetable. But God spoke to me in a sense the way that he, uh, you know, he gave Joseph a dream. For me, it was just a word that I knew uh, he spoke to me when I was 13, that I was going to be in in full-time ministry. And um, at that point, my, I had 
grandparents that were missionaries. My dad had always been in ministry. And both my brother and I were like, we don't want to have anything to do with that. We've seen the underbelly of, of church. And, and, you know, we were going to follow God. We loved God, but we had no desire to make a career out of, out of that. And, um, but at 13, I just really heard God clearly say, no, I, I want you to follow me in ministry. And I submitted to that. And from that point, he changed my heart. And that's what I wanted to do. And so I thought, well, I'm going to go, you know, college. It'll just, you know, I made my plan on how that was going to happen. And it didn't ever go according to my plan. So I went uh, to college. I was, I was lined up to go to a Bible college. And last minute, God speaks and says, no, go to just a, it, it was a West Texas A&M in Canyon. It didn't even have a Bible class. But he said, no, that's where you're supposed to go. And then I got hired in an IT company and was in IT for five years. And uh, then an opportunity came where I went into full-time youth uh, ministry. And I can clearly state, and uh, you know, can't even, my family knows, youth ministry was not what I was called to. Like, that wasn't the long-term, you know, that, that was never what I felt like God had put on my heart, but I did feel like he brought that situation up and he was leading me there. And that fit my plan because I could see how, okay, now I'm in full-time youth ministry. I can see how God can use this to take me wherever he needs to take me. And so we were there about two and a half years till our daughter Abby was born. And um, I won't go into all the details or circumstances, but it was very clear that I, we, we couldn't stay there. And, um, I thought, well, he's going to open another ministry door and I'll go there and just keep this plan going. And uh, the last thing I wanted to do was go back into IT, but that's where he led. And I was there another 10 years uh, before, before we came here to New Covenant. So from the time of that first promise at 13, it was a little over 23 years before we got here. And this was the first time it was in a place or position you want to call that it fit what he'd actually promised, you know, where it looked like what I'd felt like he put on my heart. And um, none of it was what I thought it was going to be. And there was plenty of times that I don't, you know, Joseph, there's no record that he complained or shook his hands at God or, you know, we can assume that some of that happened, but the Bible doesn't record it. But there were certainly many, 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 many times. And if you want to talk to Candy, she can attest along those years that I was like, God, this isn't what you promised. I don't know how many of y'all in school would tell you. I told teachers this a lot. I'm sure they loved me as a student. But things that they would try to teach me and I would say, I'm never going to use this. <laughs> I don't need to know this. And that's what I told God over and over throughout that period of time. As I said, God, I don't need this. You're wasting my time. What's this for? And God would just say, it's part of the plan. It's part of my purpose. Every single bit of it. And on the other side, looking back, I'm like, oh, (laughs) all those lessons I thought I didn't need. You were doing something in me. You were changing my heart. You were changing my life. And one of the things that he showed me that, that even before we came here was I had set that promise as the goal. That really was more important than anything because I wanted that, what he put in my heart. And God was saying, that's really not 
the big picture, the whole purpose of this plan is I want you and I want you in a relationship. And the same thing goes for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and everybody along this path that God always said, it's all about what I'm doing to get you in a relationship with me. It's all about my plan. It's all about my purposes. It's all about my will and you at some point figuring that out. (laughs) And so before we were called here, God finally worked in a place in my heart that I said, okay, God, I give up. Maybe I missed it. Maybe I, you know, whatever. But if that never happens, if that goal that I set never occurs, I'm okay. If you want me to be in IT the rest of my life, if that's how you want me to serve you, then I'll serve you that way. Or any other way, just whatever. And the other thing that he showed me was when, if, whatever happens and that promise that I had in my head occurred, that that wasn't it. That would be the beginning of something else he was going to do. Just like all of these other promises he made were never an end, it was the beginning. And that it's not about something that he's doing just in my life or your life or in any of our lives. This is fitting in a plan that goes from before the creation of the world to the end. An everlasting kingdom that will be for all generations through His Son, Jesus Christ. And He fits all of us into it. We can't plan out a day, but He can end a 400-year timetable on a stopwatch and say, exactly, exactly like I planned. We can trust Him. We can trust Him to do what He has planned to do in our lives. The last thing is that He redeems what we think is lost time. There's an account in the Bible that, that tells a story of a, of a lady that uh, met Elijah, Elisha. And uh, she was married, but that she'd been barren. She had no children. And Elisha encounters her, and she helps him out a lot. And he actually says, I want to do something for this lady. And his servant says, well, they don't have any kids. And so he's like, okay, well, let's, you know, tell, him, tell her she's going to have a kid. And so he prophesies that over her. And she has a baby, and it's a son. And he grows up, but as a child, he dies And she goes to Elisha and she said, I didn't ask for a son. You prophesied this. You uh, caused this to happen. And now he's dead. And so Elisha goes and prays for the boy and God raises him from the dead miraculously. And then in 2 Kings chapter 8, we pick up the story. And uh, Elisha tells this lady, arise and depart with your son because there's going to be a famine for seven years. And he says, go, and then you can come back after the famine's over. And she does that. And when she's coming back, it says that the king is talking to Gehazi, who was the servant of Elisha. And the the king had asked Elisha, "Um, tell me about the miracles that Elisha has done. And so he's telling these stories and he's relaying the account of, of this boy being raised from the dead. And at that moment, along come her and her son into the into the king's palace and she's coming to get her land back 
And so she tells him about it. And the king tells her to one of his servants, he says, restore all that was hers together with all the produce of the fields from the day that she left the land until now. So one, it's just kind of cool that, you know, here God, another prophecy, he says, seven years go, come back. At the seven year mark, they're like, okay, famine's over. God, that's what God said. We're going to come home, goes to the king. And at that moment, the servants, they're talking about her and her son. When they walk in, God's like, yep, right on schedule, right on, right on track. All she wanted was her land and her house back. She would have been thrilled at that. But God not only restored to her what was due her, he restored the produce of her land for the entire seven years. And she didn't even have to work for it. I think so often we look at these uh, time periods and struggles and things that we go through and we think, God, we're losing so much time. I lost so much money or so many resources or so many things in my life during this period. And God says, no, you didn't. This was part of my plan. And everything that you need, everything that's going to be needed for the next part is going to be restored. And in a moment I can do that. Only God, only God can do that. We're going to look at two more scriptures and then we'll close. It's Joel 2.25 and 26. He says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. First Peter chapter five, verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself. He's going to do it himself. He will restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. He's taking care of you. He's planned for all the things that we didn't plan for. We can trust Him. We can trust Him. We can trust Him. Be encouraged this morning that He can be trusted. He's faithful. He's going to come through on every single promise. It may not look anything like you planned. But I promise it's going to look exactly like he planned. And that's the only good way. (laughs) It's the best way. And he is going to make it happen. Will you pray with me this morning? Dear Holy Father, we just thank you. We thank you. We thank you. For your plans and your purposes. Father, I give you all praise and all glory and all honor. And I thank you that your plan has been formed and it's sure. Father, I thank you that you will include us in your plans and that you're going to work miraculously along the way. 
Father, I thank you that you aren't wasting a single moment of time. And even what we think we may have lost, you will redeem and restore. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will bring us encouragement this morning, that you will strengthen us this morning in whatever place we find ourselves, that we will know that we know, that we know that we can count on you and your promises. All of your promises are yes and amen. Give us peace. Give us comfort. Give us assurance that not only is your plan for us, but your plan for every generation is sure and on schedule. Only you, God. (laughs) Only you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.